Welcome to Reframing Ministries with your host, Colleen Swindoll-Thompson. Here's Colleen. Hi, my name is Colleen Swindoll-Thompson. I'm the director of Reframing Ministry and Insight for Living. And today I have yes. Jeff and Alyssa with me <laughs> from Hawaii. Yes, very far. <laughs> yeah, long commute. But many of you have probably seen Jeff through his videos on YouTube mm-hmm. and Jeff and Alyssa doing the podcast, which you guys have just picked up this last year again, yes. Yes. which is wonderful. And what we're talking about today is Love That Lasts, a book that they just wrote, which is Fabulous. And I want all of you guys to go online and get it because it is wonderful. And they can get it at lovefitlast.com. Yeah, yeah, .co. No M at the end. I know it's like, you know, URLs run out these days, so you got to start changing them. But uh, yeah, or Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Yeah. Anyways, we are going to talk very openly about um, marriage, dating, sex, Mm -hmm. and all the things that go into that because these guys have some great things to say. So Mm -hmm. thank you for being with me. Thanks for having us. This is fun. Um, I would like to know, first of all, what led you to write this book? Do you want that one? Um, <laughs> she, she, you answered that question good. That's what I thought of you. Um, no, you go ahead. Okay, so the, this one, maybe, well, a couple different things I think of, and we didn't realize this until we started talking about the book. If you go way back, well, I mean way back, like five years ago, you know, um, we were doing college ministry. We yeah. were just out of college freshly, you know, like young 20s, married, and we were doing, uh, me and a friend of mine, well, my friend started it, and I kind of hopped in to help kind of co-lead uh, this college ministry that started to kind of be fruitful and have a couple hundred people on weekends and um, small groups and all these different things. And I think in that setting and context, we just realized the need is so big, you know, for just like a healthy vision for ev- every question we're getting, every, you know, weekly meeting that someone wanted to have, every small group, whatever, was about just a relationship, you know, because that's the mm-hmm. season they're in. But also we say, I think I say in the intro of the book, um, we firmly believe that if your relationship is healthy and flourishing, then even if your life isn't, you kind of still feel fine. Um, and if your life is great, but your relationship isn't good and isn't flourishing, then you feel like life isn't good. Yeah, you there's do some, say that. There's something about where it's like the center kind of, of like it kind of emanates into everything else. And we were seeing that with the um, our peers just a couple years behind us. And then once we start getting married and then kind of applying, I think, God's way for these things and really studying together, digging in, then I think we start to see the fruit come back to us and say, oh, this really, this isn't just so that... Um, you know, we're obeying the rules or just so that, you know, we might be doing the right thing, but it actually is because it leads to blessing and it leads to just more joy and more fullness. And so then I think, and then we saw that divide between our friends who weren't making that choice when they got married and just kind of doing the world's way and saying, man, we haven't been married that long, um, but I think we're already starting to see this trajectory difference. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of wanted to turn to those peers and friends and uh, kind of just talk about our story and what we learned. So that's, that's kind of the heart behind it. Totally different backgrounds. And the thing, when I first, I opened the book and Jeff, you started out with this statement, which I think is just, (laughs) I circled it, took a picture of it and sent it to my son, (laughs) Sonza. And you said, I lost my virginity when I was 16 in the backseat of a car in a church parking lot. With a girl who wasn't my girlfriend. Yeah, and quite, I thought, quite a way to start a book, right? Yeah, I'm like, yeah. that's so real. Yeah. And then your background, of course, was no no hand-holding. No, yeah, no dating. Right. I kissed dating goodbye. Mm-hmm. Right. Which wasn't because of my parents at all. It was just like I had read the books, and I was like, no, I just want to do it this way. But yeah. then I'll, I think a lot of my decisions were based out of fear of yeah. not wanting to fall into what the culture was doing. And so... Like, it was hard for me to even have conversations with boys because I just was nervous all the time. So, or thought you had to marry him the next day or whatever. Yeah, or yeah. just I wonder what they think of me. Am I modest enough? Am I yeah. all these things instead just, of just 
Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of pressure and a lot of friendships. fear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the things you guys talk about in the book and, and why I asked or why I started out with that is about the whole digital culture yeah. that we have. Yeah. And your experience growing up as mm-hmm. a single child mm-hmm. with a single mom, yeah. which introduced you to pornography super early totally. in life. Just talk to us about all that. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think I don't think we realize how much whether it's sexual revolution in the 60s, but then you know you then add on to that with the uh, digital revolution kind of in like 90s AOL time, um, and then coming into it early 2000s where it's obviously just ubiquitous now and everywhere. So you have these different kind of things over decades that just continually are building on each other. And um, yeah, and I, I think it was just an interesting, I, I don't think we are, I don't think we've kind of stopped, paused even the Christian church and said, man, this is having, a revolution is happening right. in multiple regards, and I think we need to be prepared. We need to study the scriptures. How can we um, season ourselves, season the people, teach people? How can we live in discipleship in this way? And I think it caught us a lot of, uh, in a lot of ways um, off guard, and we just weren't prepared. And so... And we're just now starting to see the fruit of yeah, I think, the divorce culture and totally. all of that. Yeah, and I think, you know, it sometimes, I think it was a mentor of mine who kind of said, you know, sometimes it takes a whole generation yeah. for you to then kind of be able to say, yeah, that was probably the wrong choice. It takes about 30 or 40 years, you know, of like, you know, I would point again to the sexual revolution in the 60s and 70s and saying, we're now finally one full generation past that, where it's like, yeah, that's very clear that, that you know, that, that turned into an epidemic that led to a lot of other worse things. And so, yeah, I think um, it's that's one thing we really need to uh, not run from culture, never run from culture, um, as Christians, but actually say, how can we live faithfully in culture? Just step into it. Totally. Right. And yep. technology and innovation is one of those, those conversations we need to be having. And how do we step into technology and innovation and t- um, the digital media and social media and live well, not just run from it? Well, one thing that I love, if you just look up J- Jeff Bethke, mm-hmm. B-E-T-H-K-E, you'll see a bunch of topics that you've <laughs> talked about online. Yeah. And then also, after y'all got married and now have kids, yeah. you know, I just love your whole Sonoma Trip and how you jumped in the pool and splashed them all. (laughs) Hey, we got to keep it adventurous. So, but you definitely talk about very real subjects. And when I, because I study the brain stuff, totally. Anyways, what they're finding now with Mm -hmm. pornography is that it shrinks the gray matter and that it definitely affects so many different decision making, gratification, Mm -hmm. speech and language skills, motor skills, fine motor skills, decision making. it's an immediate gratification. It also affects dopamine and the neurotransmitters mm-hmm. that make us feel good. So it's addictive. Yeah. It's not just kind of addictive. It's right. yeah. physiologically addictive. Yeah, and that's totally. what I talk about. We have a whole chapter on porn in there, and that's what I talk about is um, treat it like an addiction. And that's right. like, you know, especially in like people date, like in this these date, like we made a video called, you know, Something about basically the premise was if your boyfriend is addicted to porn, you need to break, break up. up. With them. And, and we get so many messages every month of, or even if the the girlfriend's addicted, that's a lesser scenario, but it happens. Um, you need to break up, and we get so many messages of people saying, "Oh, that's not Jesus filled. That's not grace filled. That's not loving filled." And you know, we can have a different conversation about the covenant of marriage, but that's still a huge act of betrayal and sin. Um, but in dating, it's like when there's no covenant and you're literally trying to look for a spouse and something like like you don't do that with a cocaine addicted boyfriend like no no one has a problem saying yes I need to break up with him not because I don't love him but because I do right. like like he needs to go get help right. and you need to put them in a situation where they have no dependency on anyone else's you know relational addiction to kind of um, that they can cope with it's like right. you know they need to go get help they need to go to someone who's a professional they need to seek you know counseling they need to go to some type of treatment center and porn especially once you read the research, is identical. And sometimes even worse because the relational damage it can cause um, and the distortion of sex on top of that in a relationship. And so 
yeah, it's just it needs to be treated like an addiction. And when you kind of change that mind frame, I think it actually leads to a lot more healing. And then you get these guys who actually treat it like that, walk in the fullness of, okay, I need to get help, mm -hmm. and they find it, um, rather than just kind of thinking that they can pray and it'll go away. Now, the Spirit is definitely the catalyst for a lot of change and healing, mm -hmm. but I also think that God is a God who also created our brains and the neuroscience and these things. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think stepping into what we know uh, leads to a lot of help. One of the things that you also talk about is, and I love that you just touched on that, is how many partners in a dating relationship mm -hmm. think, oh, I can fix this. <laughs> I can make it all better. And I want to yeah. say, why don't you take your crown off? Because that's <laughs> Jesus's anyways. Yeah. And yeah. let them become more whole. Because really, addictions are showing there's holes in places yeah. that where we're hurt. And one yeah. of the biggest ones in the digital generation yep. is loneliness. Mm -hmm. And I did, um, I just did a study on loneliness uh, because we sit behind a screen thinking that it's, we're making connections. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When actually, and physiologically, mm -hmm. when we connect with our eyes, there are, are mm -hmm. good things that happen yeah. in our bodies. Mm -hmm. But with loneliness, the health risks associated, depression, suicide, cardiovascular mm -hmm. disease and stroke, increased stress levels, decreased memory and learning, antisocial behavior, poor decision making, alcoholism, drug abuse, and eventually it could be Alzheimer's because yeah. we know of all those I mean, when we connect with other people in the real life, yeah. we've got to be using yeah. our whole brain mm -hmm. to yeah. connect. Mm -hmm. Now, how was this for you going into the marriage? Explain that dynamic. Yeah, and then and then talk about too. I think it's really important to talk about what she just mentioned with the. Uh, I think specifically the girl always sometimes thinks oh, they can fix. Yeah. Oh, the, I can make the, it better. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. And I think you have a lot to say on that. So. Well, I don't know. I feel like within a woman's, maybe it's because <laughs> women are naturally nurturing, mm -hmm. and so then, which is a really good gift that God's given us. But then I think maybe on the flip side, it could be this lie like, "Oh, I'm going to nurture him, and I bet I can change him, mm -hmm. and like he'll be different." And I think, um, or if I wear this, or if I look like this, yeah, or if I yeah. whatever it is. And I do think, when, as women, we do have a lot of um, I don't know what the right word is. Um, what's that word? Like not power, but ability to encourage our husbands or sons In and to way. infuse yeah, yeah. them with yeah. a lot of courage. It's a sixth sense almost. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. which is a great thing. But in dating, if he is doing something that is a red flag or an addiction like porn or he's manipulative or controlling or all these things, one, once you get married, that's not going to change. It's just going to get worse. Really? Yeah. You mean a ring doesn't magically <laughs> no. make everything better? <laughs> well, I know. We always say they're on their best, everyone is on their mm -hmm. best behavior when they're dating. So just, mm -hmm. if you just magnify it and that's what, then that, then you'll be easily able to imagine marriage. Right. <laughs> um, and so, but when, if you see those red flags, you need to end it. And it does take a lot of courage. It is yeah. a lot of like trusting in the Lord. Do you really believe he knows what's best for you? That when you give this up, he's in control. Mm -hmm. He will give you something better. All these things are really, it's a really, um, opportunity to have a lot of faith in the Lord. But when you do, then also you are letting them realize like, hey, there's consequences to these actions. These aren't okay. Mm -hmm. And to really let him um, change. And he may not, and he might, but regardless, like you are doing what's best for you and for him, I think. And a lot of times in the, <clears throat> specifically in the girl guy dynamic, you're talking about it the girl settles, which then enables yes. the guy to think that it's okay. It's okay. Sure. You know, yeah. Yeah. rather than Her I think. Her silence is a permission slip. Exactly. Mm -hmm. When I think of like what she said, girls in a, ladies sometimes have a healthy power in the ability mm -hmm. to like call men out of sin and like, no, I'm not going to stand for that. And then 
the men, you know, because they want the relationship specifically with people that, you know, they like mm -hmm. or love, if they're in dating or engaged or whatever, they go, oh, I, I'm going to lose this if I don't. Absolutely. And some people, mm -hmm. some guys make that wrong choice still, but I think it also has a ability to be a really strong, yeah. beautiful power to mm -hmm. get guys to change. Well, I love the point that you made in the book also where it's a sign of self-respect and it's also um, knowing in the pornography culture, we don't mm -hmm. know who has given consent and who hasn't. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I read a story of one gal who'd been whipped, like, I don't know how many times. Yeah. So we don't know who's being forced to do what. But you really get to the, the fundamental issue is, mm -hmm. is this choice going to lead to greater joy in my life and freedom yeah. and in my marriage? Or is this choice going to be binding and cut off intimacy? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I think, and that's the lie, is that we want to try to get the benefits of sex without <clears throat> the vulnerability needed for the true power of sex. Mm -hmm. You know, like, like God created sex to be this covenantal kind of like stage play almost of like, this is, th this is actually the last step to showing what you're already doing emotionally, spiritually, phys uh, you know, uh, mentally of like, you know, nakedness. And it's like, you know, metaphorically, there's this nakedness in marriage of like, I see all that you are, I see your, fa your failures, your shortcomings, and I still want to be one with you. And then sex kind of becomes this. And I'm not this, going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. Like it's, you know, nothing you can do can make Which me leave. Which nothing except marriage can prompt. Can have that, that exactly, and so then sex just becomes that last step of like this kind of this stage play of like showing that, showing that script, mm -hmm. and uh, I think, and so then when you kind of have that idea of sex, then porn just becomes like doesn't even make sense. You're like, oh, you literally can't do that mm -hmm. scenario in porn because there's no one there, right? Like they don't, there's not, a, it's yeah. a screen, you know, like that. You can't right. can't be vulnerable. You can't show that, you know, take <laughs> off a mask, and so it's us trying to have self-preservation, which is the opposite of vulnerability while still trying to get the benefits. And so it's a cheapening, it's a, you know, a miswiring, a misfiring of it. And uh, yeah, and I think that's what makes it really damaging because then you, without vulnerability, you can't have intimacy. Right. And at the end of the day, even though guys might physically be pursuing porn for physical reasons, at the end of the day, they just want to be known. Mm -hmm. There's this level of like, you know, we go, we go towards these things because we want to be known. We want to find intimacy. And I think um, it's just when you realize that it never can give that by its fundamental nature yeah. and actually does the opposite, kind of puts you more into a hole um, of isolation than or shame or, shame or, or guilt. Yeah, I was just so. going to say it's a total shame-based totally. way to relate. Now, I mean, you had baggage. I mean, we all mm -hmm. have baggage yeah. going to marriage. Um, I don't know about this one. She was perfect. No, I did <laughs> She's pretty stellar, she I got to say. She is. But. I think she said, like, you know, crap once in seventh grade or something. So. No, that's not yeah. true. Yeah. Oh, but you said on the podcast the other day, and yeah. I thought, that's awesome. But you talk about, in your own history, <laughs> um, anorexia and mm -hmm. eating disorders, which is a huge struggle because of our image-based society and because of Photoshop and, you yeah. know. Yeah. It even plays into what the stuff I just said of the guys have created a culture of demanding something yeah. that. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, a girl's gonna look like the cover of a magazine. Yeah. Well, if you don't know that half of her entire body was just brushed Taken over out. with something. Yeah, exactly. she doesn't even look like that. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, how, talk to us, talk to us about that experience for you. Yeah, well, um, I feel like it started when I was in high school, I was 16 and I really always longed to be married and to be dating. I was just kind of like this hopeless romantic my whole life. And come high school, there's no boyfriend. There's no guys even like interested in me. And you were the guy, the girl that guys wanted to marry, not the yes. one exactly. to bring home. Yeah. Which and is she, how you put it in the book. Yeah, and it's hard to have that context but in high at school, 16. You don't know that. But it is true. Like, looking just, back, of like, yeah, they're just yeah. No, no but, but I, I had that in high school. Me. I was yeah. like the the pal. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and so um, and I would look around at all the other girls dating, and they were all were like. 
thin and beautiful. And so I just started to believe this lie, like in order to be wanted and cherished, I needed to be a certain size. And the size kept going down as I kept feeding into this. You know, a size eight became a six, became a four, became a zero. And um, <clears throat> yeah, and I just started to believe these lies. And eventually it became more of a control issue. Sure. Which Where really is what it is. It is. Yeah. Like whenever something in your life is uncontrollable, I couldn't control a guy wanting to pursue me or dating me. And so the one thing this. I could control is yeah. how much I could eat. And so it really became this thing. And it wasn't like it was full-blown, you know, for forever. It was just like it would go in waves. Whenever something was hard, it would get worse and on. And it went on for like six years. And um, it was really hard. And I think finally when I moved to Maui and I had women in my life, I think it was really where the Lord had brought me, for one. I was really finally the state of brokenness. Like, hey, this is really hard. I just, you feel like, um, <clears throat> you really feel like you're in this dungeon, this dark, dark dungeon, and you can't get out. And nobody understands. And even if you say something, they don't get it or they don't take it seriously. And um, anyway, it was just like living in hell. And finally I was at this broken spot and I had these women in my life that were just like, hey, I noticed this in you. But they weren't just saying it. They were like, I want to walk alongside with you and heal. Like, this was my story back in high school. Or, yeah, I noticed that. Like, let's just talk through it and be really real about it. And it wasn't like a six-step program. It was just doing life and, like, coming over every day, like, just having a meal together. What does that look like? Because when you're in that deep eating disorder, right. you don't eat with people because you don't right. want them to judge you and yeah, realize sure. that this is, like, a problem in my life. <laughs> And how do you let go of that control? It was, it was over time. It took a very long time. But I think it was just a, it was a one moment final surrender. Like, hey, Lord, I'm done. Like, this sucks. And <laughs> this is awful. I want to give this to you. I want to be completely free of this. And then being very vulnerable with a few people in your life that, like, Trust a girlfriend is awesome, good, but yeah. also mentors that will really, like, older, wiser, lead you yeah. out of it and keep you accountable. <clears throat> and then I just feel like it was so the Lord and the Spirit just working and providing those people in my life to help heal. And then that was right about the time of my healing when I met Jeff mm -hmm. and we started dating. Which is a totally funny story because <laughs> you were crazy about her and you met her on the on your friend's that's refrigerator right. yeah. door. Yep, right. <laughs> Which I think, I don't know if I put it in the book. You but did like put I said, that they, in there. Yeah, then like, I love saying they, they had like the classic Christian fridge true where there was, you know, there's seven kids they sponsor. There was the 50 missionaries that they were giving money to. So it was a busy fridge. So it wasn't an easy picture to spot. Mm -hmm. You know, there was a million pictures of this like, you know, uh, wholesome Christian family fridge. And so I was like, oh, who's that girl? Um, but yeah, it was, it was fun. Yeah. yeah, and that was when we first met. But I remember when we started dating, and finally, a few months in, I just told you, like, hey, this is my story, and I'm kind of in this healing journey. And I just remember Jeff being, like, just grabbing my hand and saying, thank you so much for telling me that. And then since, well, you always have been so great, but just constantly telling me, you're so beautiful, it doesn't matter what size you are. And it's not that... Um, I did that for Jeff. It was just the Lord and I and my healing, but it was like the Lord gave me the sweet gift to of like just a little glimpse of how he sees me and who I am in Jesus through Jeff and his encouraging words of my body image. Yeah, and that reminds me of a point that we, I think say in the book, but also make a big point to, to we've just seen give a lot of life to our friends and our peers is, you have the power in a marriage to speak life or death into the, mm -hmm. the not opposing party, the other person. You, know, you, said, <laughs> you should have been a lawyer. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's like Sometimes we're in court. it feels like the yeah. opposing party. Yeah. <laughs> There's not fun to talk about. Yeah, you do say that in the book. Yeah, you have the mm -hmm. ability to speak life or death into your spouse. And, and it actually kind of 
in a some way, I, the way I kind of almost put it, it, almost creates futures. Like your words create futures. Yeah. Not in a not in a ex nihilo way, like that out of nothing, like we're not God, but we are in His image. And so there's this aspect of like God can speak, and then it creates something. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a level of that in humans where you speak life constantly over a person. You know, you're beautiful, mm -hmm. you're awesome, you're beloved, you're righteous, and you say that over and you over can again. Do this, even though it's not true necessarily functionally, like for example, at that moment, at that moment yes. right. they, they step into it, they step into it, they step mm -hmm. into it, and it becomes true. It's like you created that path and then they step into it. And then same with um, like death, you know, of like you can do that same thing of like when you, you know, those relationships that are really hard and damaging and, you know, and if you keep saying, you know, harsh, deathful words over a spouse, then they start to believe that about themselves. Right. And so it's this, it's it's a good cycle or a bad cycle, depending on which one you step in. And it's cool because it tells a story about God, like you just said, of like, is it ultimately it's from him and he does that. Mm -hmm. Like he says, you know, you're beloved, you're mine, <clears throat> you're a child, you're righteous. And those things aren't functional. Like I'm not blameless, you know, we're not blameless, but he right. says it, mm -hmm. you step into it, and then it actually becomes more and more true. Mm -hmm. You walk more in the light, less in sin. And I think yeah. that's such a um, powerful thing that a lot of marriages don't mm -hmm. take advantage of. When I love um, Tim Keller, his yes. book, Meaning of Marriage, he talks, it's my favorite part of the whole book, he talks about <coughs> how when you get married, it's like you're looking at your spouse and yeah. you're saying, I see the glorified you. Like, like the, I see you at the finish line. I see you at the finish mm -hmm. line. I know you're not there yet, but I see that. And so I'm going to walk with you and encourage you to be that person, mm -hmm. to be and the best you. talk you into that direction. Yeah. And so I think, and your spouse, like they know you better than anyone else. Mm -hmm. And so you have the opportunity to bring life and to encourage them to be that glorified yeah. self. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, more than anyone else could. Totally. One of the things I love is that you guys continually reiterate in so many different scenarios, something that my husband and I hold true is love is a verb. Mm. Mm. It's it's not just a ring yeah. and it's right. not just a certificate. A yeah. It's a verb. Mm -hmm. yeah. And as you, as I don't remember which chapter it was, yeah. but you said, remember where Christ ended up yeah. on the cross. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Dying. Yeah, and that's the signal of love. Yeah. Which is, we do lay down mm -hmm. so much of ourselves mm -hmm. for the other person. And as my husband and I have been teaching the kids as they've grown up, I'm like, no, the grass has to get mowed this way. He's like, sweetie, we're raising children, not <laughs> yeah, grass. I know, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm, I'm like, raising grass that. and children. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm raising children that can cut grass right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm like, he's going to, I'm going to speak that into totally, the future. Totally. But a, a lot of yeah. times with children as well, it's not what we see now, but exactly. you look beyond yeah. that. And mm -hmm. I've seen you guys do that on the videos <clears throat> as well with your kids. Yeah. yeah. And I think, yeah, and even the love is a verb thing, I think the thing I think of is, um, you know, and again, it, it always it always bounces back up to the Lord and how He relates to us, and and so it's like, which way are you living in, or what truth are you living in? And I think of the example of, um, like, you know, when someone asks me, like, you know, do you and Alyssa love each other? I don't go, well, yeah, of course. I signed a piece of paper five years ago. Sure. You know, right. um, it's like, no, yeah, because I showed her yesterday. She, you know, she showed me. She did today, this maybe and, not, but yeah, tomorrow. exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, she sacrificed for me here and this and that, and so mm -hmm, right. it's that it's this like constant relational action that is shows the love not oh and the same with the lord like when someone says you know if, if your first inkling is if someone says do you love the lord and your first inkling is to say yes i raised my hand six years ago 
or Yest, I got when I went underwater ten years ago, and that probably shows there's some serious distortion in that relationship, um, because you don't ever do that in an intimate relationship. You go to the moment by moment, like I talked to him yesterday. I did something, you know, like not uh, not just what you did to kind of start the relationship. And I think that kind of plays into the love as a verb or a feeling or something like that too. Now your friend started the date night or the date thing. Yeah, Tell date me about box. that. Yeah, it's awesome. So it's our friends. Uh, he had this idea. Which I love. So cool. Especially if you're like us with you got, you know, kids, toddlers, and it's hard to get out of the house. It's literally called Date Box, and that's what it is, where they make a date for you, custom made every month, mm -hmm. and you sign up and it just shows up on your doorstep. And so it usually has like some food in there, some fun like activity or game you can play together, and then kind of like a content piece where you read like a devotional or you read some message they had in there. And it's it's fun. We love it. And stuff like that matters because we talk about that when you're married, you gotta keep dating. Pursuing each other. Yeah, pursuing each other. And pursuit mm -hmm. is the where, where, I think I said that a couple of days ago where and, you know, that is kind of the X factor. Like we don't know, mm -hmm. I don't know any bad marriages that say they're pursuing each other really well and I don't know any good marriages that are saying, yeah, we're not pursuing each other at all. It's like that's right. kind of the thing mm -hmm. that puts you in that place or not in that place because right. if you're constantly pursuing the other person's heart, emotions, mind, yeah. and stuff like that. So it sounds super perfect and it sounds ideal and I want to know how have you worked through some of those things that haven't been ideal? Yeah. <laughs> like, let's get to the nuts and bolts of this. Because that, those are great, but yeah. it's right. hard to remember that. So mm -hmm. let's take, I mean, I'll, she, she can talk about it, but I'll set it up. Uh, I mean, there's plenty. <laughs> that could be a huge setup. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, what are no, you I mean, there's set plenty. Up? So, I mean, the first thing I think of is personality difference and how that can, mm -hmm. that can either yeah. uh, totally. Like, the, the biggest lie you can believe in marriage is, like, they need to be more like me and this would be better. You know? Sure. And that, that played out Which in our like marriage all early. all the time you want to think that. <laughs> yeah. Played out in our marriage early and still does. And I think specifically yeah. with conflict. I mean, talk about how different we are in conflict and that you, you can get in these cycles where it's like, man, we, we need it's to break dance. this. Yeah, we need to break yeah. this and go back to a healthier way. But I think, mm -hmm. yeah, just even the way that we like to do conflict alone shows our personality differences, which then led to some, like, we had to set a game plan and stuff like that, but yeah. Yeah, and I mean, conflict we're still <clears throat> figuring out totally. and working through. Um, but if you don't know this yet, Jeff and I are very different. <laughs> we, we talk at the same pace, we're both loud and rambunctious. <laughs> I am so and, not saying a word. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can't you tell? So Jeff is fast paced, like very smart, thinks through everything. Yeah, you skipped a great research. school, pal. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know, but then I got held back in high school because I wanted to play baseball Only in college. Only baseball. <laughs> and there I was, you go. And I was really small, so I was like, well, I, can't, I don't want to, I was 12, I was like, I don't want to be playing with these 14 year olds, so I was like, academics or sports, pick sports, but anyways, yeah. And he's very fast, and so when he makes a decision, it's like, it's done. Like, you I can decide too then. Yeah, once mm -hmm. I decide it's, or like, I'm gonna decide in five minutes and I'm done. And I'm more. I don't like put the foot down like that, but no, I, ha no, I have no. a hard time not having people at my pace of decision yes. making. Yeah. Like, what, like do you, what do you mean you don't get it? Like, what do you mean? Right. My like, I, I just, I just, yeah, I just, I just, I just laid out why we're doing this. Why don't I don't? Yeah. Because mm -hmm. she doesn't want to do it. I don't want to. <laughs> but yeah, I have a, so yeah, that's a bad part of me. But yeah, continue. And I'm more of a steady. Um, I take a while to like. If you have an option, a decision. Jeff will think about it and decide and go. And I'm like, can we like take two weeks and pray about it and think about it? So sometimes- Which has to feel very quite painful. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah, very, totally. so we've had to yeah. work through how to do that. But um, anyway, so when we get in conflict, it can be hard. And a lot of times I, I hate conflict. I mm. run from it, it mm -hmm. scares me. I didn't see a lot of it growing up. And and so I'm just now learning like conflict is, a, it's okay. And it's you need to learn to fight well, not mm -hmm. just not to fight. 
Yeah, your your default was that conflict meant like fragility of the relationship. Yeah. You're like, oh, it's fragile. Right, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. I, and I read yeah. you didn't want to say anything, do mm-hmm. anything, no. nothing. So. And I still, I mean, I'll bring up stuff, but totally. even when we get in a fight now, I'm like, I'll just say whatever to be done. Yeah. Like, I just, okay. I'm done. So there's a pouncer and a protector, and you're the yes. protector and you're the pouncer. <laughs> yes. Got it? And Jeff is like, conflict doesn't scare him, and he's like, I just want to finish, finish the it, conversation to know we're okay. Talk about all the points, yeah. Talk about all the points. So we're just learning a lot of how to communicate well, of how to fight well, what does that look like, how to communicate, how to listen to each other, how to learn that we're different and we process things different and how to respect that in each other. And so I know that's a very broad thing in marriage, but that's a huge, whatever conflict we have throughout our marriage are hard things. That's been a huge thing of just how to learn how to do it well. Well, let's take, I don't think we put this example in the book. <clears throat> let's take another example, a little more specific, because I, which shows that. Mm-hmm. Is, um, so, so that's how we conflict, that's how we are. And, and then, very sensitive. Yeah, Let's yeah. just add that. <laughs> so, I and, am too. And so, so this yeah. is our personalities and how our personalities show, but then like one specific example I think of is probably a couple years ago, well, ever since we've been married, we've traveled. Like it's just yeah. our job and whatever, we get invited places and we want to, mm-hmm. and it's just like my dream. I just want to, Go all over the world and just live out of a suitcase and do whatever, whenever, however. Oh, this is not going to be Eat good. at all the places and stay at all the hotels and all that stuff. I love it. Um, and the whole time he's like, "Isn't this amazing?" Yeah, I was looking at him like, "This is." Yeah, I was like, "This is like our. This is like we're living our best life now." Yeah. You know? And uh, <laughs> and and she like gets super anxious by it, super stressed out by mm-hmm. it, and doesn't love it. Um, and so I mean, it's way different now, but this is more in the early. Like we yeah. both love it now, but early on it was a little early bit more on, like we that. We traveled a lot. Yeah. And, and Jeff so. is the type where he just gets to the airport. He's like, I don't even know where I'm going. Just like I wouldn't even my... look sometimes. I'm just like, yeah, I just I know I got to go somewhere. Yeah. And here's our time. And we'll How was that for you? I'm like, yeah. I need to know what to pack. <laughs> I need to know like what to envision. Yeah. How long are we gone? Yeah. But so. all that to say, so probably about two years ago then. When we moved to Maui, we did have to have a conversation because then the travel from there, at least in the one-off speaking engagements, it was just brutal. It was like instead of two days, it was, I was five days. I had to be gone five days just to speak somewhere for like two minutes, you know, mm-hmm. just because it takes so long to get yeah, there. Yeah, but I really don't feel sorry for you. Yeah, I know. Maui. Exactly. No, but seriously, that would be huge. Really and, then we started having, and then we started having babies, and so then she's, you know, at, she just felt really alone in it of like, man, you're... Yeah. Well, then it turned into like, okay, I'm getting anxious by this, so then just you go. But then that turned into like, okay, then you're gone five days. I'm alone with the kids. We're separated. And then, I don't know, whoever is married to somebody that travels, when you do get back together, it takes like two or three days to like get in and rhythm together. So then yeah. those two or three days are like you're fighting a lot, and you're like, this is awful. And, I mean, I think every yeah. marriage has to figure out. For me. Out, yeah. For me, it was very hard. And every marriage has to figure out their own rhythms. Every marriage has to figure out their own calling and vision. But I did get to the mm-hmm. place where... Basically, every time that happened, I just started having this resentment too strong of word. It never got that bad, but just kind of like a, oh, why can't she just be more like me and just hop on a plane and who cares? You know, just right. adventurous. And, and I would get very anxious. Mm-hmm. And Jeff was like, I don't understand why you're anxious. This is such yeah. a blessing that we get to do Yeah, that. like I just didn't have a ton of grace in understanding how she felt about it. I just wish she was more like me in it. And then it was, I was talking to, we have a really close mentor couple of ours who pretty much is responsible for our marriage at this point, the health of it. And... Um, and he just basically said, you know, he's like, Jeff, you know, th- he's like, this is one example of this. He's like, but this is also true in your marriage of other things. He's like, uh, and he's like, and, you know, not all women are like this. And he goes, but my wife's like this. It sounds like Alyssa's like this. He's like, a lot of times women are gifted as almost the smoke alarm of the family is I think the phrase he used. Yeah. And what he meant by that is he's like, he's like, you want her to be more like you when in reality women, Alyssa's gift is her sensitivity. Yeah. Alyssa's gift is that she is um, quicker to anxiousness 
Um, not in a bad way, but in the like, I don't, that doesn't sound good. That's not, like, jumping the that. deep end yet. Yeah. And he goes, and he goes, and he goes, think about a smoke alarm. Like, you don't hate a smoke alarm or resent a smoke alarm. You love it because it's the first thing that tells you to get out of the house that that was a bad, you know, something's on fire. Right. And he just said, so you need to start, like, seeing her as that. Of Like, God gave you her mm -hmm. and the family her to be like that first line of defense for the family that's going to sense things way before I do because I'm so fast paced and don't really think about those little things. Okay. And it was just such a good example of like, he's like, man, basically of instead, it just totally changed my perspective of instead of her he needing totally to- totally reframed it for you. Yeah, huh? he's like, instead of, yeah, yeah, instead of her needing to be like me, I was like, I actually need to appreciate the difference because mm -hmm. that makes us a fuller, mm -hmm. more healthy family of like, I might call us out into adventure sometimes and I might call us out into spontaneity, but she's also gonna be the person that we need to actually listen when she says, mm -hmm. I don't feel good about that. Um, because she's going to be that first person that senses a breakdown in the marriage and family before me and the kids do. And so I think now honoring that and listening to that has really transformed our marriage the last couple of years. And then all of a sudden uh, she realized, you know, it's in this way where I listen now and then she doesn't, bring up doesn't say doesn't pump the brakes on everything now because she realizes yeah. hey if i am so going to say this jeff's really like, going to no, listen we needed this. I'm like oh okay like let's do it yeah. because it's not and it was something time. as simple as that reframing kind of with the like uh -huh. the hard part parts of marriage that took us like four years of like yeah. just doing the same that was like circle the and same merry-go-round um then finally go oh i really think i need to listen to that and it totally trained or just see it as a gift actually and it totally uh -huh. radically transformed our marriage one of the things that helps so much is to say tell me more about what you're our experience yeah, or what exactly, you're going through yeah. like like I need to learn about you yeah and yeah. you're telling me about you and then it's not you become like me exactly you know right. I mean after all you chose her yeah. and you exactly. chose him <laughs> yeah and the differences are of benefit if totally. we do learn to say tell me more about what that experience is like for you totally. because I'm a different personality yeah mm -hmm. and I think and we learned that even you know just studying the scripture together of you know I, I, you hear the phrase image of God and what you think of immediately is this sermon on how the, in, the individual has this beautiful image mm -hmm. of God and they're, it's just this amazing, beautiful thing and we use that to talk about you know um, abortion or other things, and sure. which is great and amazing. But I also, it's interesting if you do a study on image of God, the first time it actually comes up is not in an individual, it's in a plurality. When you look at Genesis, one, I love that point. Yeah, and it's like 126 and 27. It says the very first sentence that phrase ever comes in. It says, in male and female, he created them in the image of God. Mm -hmm. So it's it is, it, it's almost like, it's almost as if Genesis is making this argument that male plus female is this image of mm. God. Like uh, this, this, there's a fuller picture. Now, of course, you can deduct from the rest of Scripture that individually we're also made in the image of God. But there's something really beautiful about that that I think we realized of like, oh, God in marriage, actually, it's this divine mystery of him bringing male plus female together as mm. one entity. And that one entity is a new image. Like we might have been two individual images. But the minute we said, I do, we're now creating this new, more fuller, rounded, better picture of an image um, to represent God. Mm -hmm. And then when I think when we realized that, then again, it, the differences started to say, oh, these are actually making us fuller. Like that I'm this way and she's this way. And if we let both of those sit here, that actually is a fuller image. Well, and all three, all three parts of the Trinity have very specific exactly. roles. Yeah, so but they're still God. It's a good God. thing yeah. that God didn't say, okay, the Holy Spirit needs to be just like this. And, totally, and exactly. we need a Holy Spirit as a comforter, a guide, yeah. a filler of our souls. Yeah. You know, just when we don't have words, an intercessor. Totally. And then we have Christ as the model of how we are to live and mm. think and do and be. And yeah. then of course, God the Father. Yeah. And it's so, the Trinity is so complex, yeah. but when you break yeah. it down, that's very, awesome. very yeah. powerful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You mentioned a ton, and I'm picking up the word mentors. Mm. Yeah. And and there can't be anything more powerful than 
those who have gone before us and those who are yeah. coming behind us. So there's mentoring and reverse mentoring. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Tell me about what that's been in your life. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, you talk about it. I, I love what you talk about when you talk about mentors and stuff. Um, well, I think Jeff and I have always valued that before we were even married. And then when we got married, um, there's about a year where we didn't have it. And I remember just praying, like, Lord, we please bring along a mentor? And then it was just a crazy story how he did. And I think it's been monumental in our marriage. Just, I think every couple needs another couple that they know is for their marriage. Older, that they're not, ahead. they're a yeah. little farther ahead, older, but also that they're not going to take sides. Like mm. you can't go to your best friend because they're going to be all for you. What she's trying to say is, don't make your parents the mentors <laughs> or your best friend. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. You know, right. like anyone you who need, knows is just going right. to lean one side. You need a couple, older, wiser couple. Yeah, that is for your party. marriage. And so whenever you have. Um, something that you're working through or there's a conflict that you're not that keeps coming up and you guys can't reach a meeting point you can go to and talk to and they can help you work through it and I think it's been so good for our marriage just to have a couple to ask questions for or sure. we've the biggest things have been when we've been over at their house and stayed with them for a weekend or a week and just seeing how do you parent how do you discipline how do you the modeling is yeah. so mm -hmm. important because it's one thing to have like meet at Starbucks and have them tell you everything <laughs> But then to actually see it in person, you're like, oh, that's what I want, or that's how you do that, mm. um, has been really cool. And then I think just lately, the last year or so, there have been young Marys coming up mm -hmm. that we've just felt called to to pour into or ask, have over for dinner once a quarter or whatever, and just ask how you're doing. Yeah. Um, and that's been really sweet for us. And it's a joy to be able to, you feel so honored when mm. like someone entrusts they're what they're going on yeah, yeah and I think and with the mentors that we specifically kind of call our closest ones are yeah them inviting us into their home is mm. so much bigger better and different than just like you know here's the answers or whatever right. and we yeah. do that in individual discipleship in the church and then also marriage and family discipleship is we like to just give people the answers but we don't like to invite them into our homes because that's a lot more personal and invasive but which that, is so sad hold on totally. that is so yeah. sad because totally. Like when you guys were coming, I was like, you know, I don't know where you're staying, but if you want to come to our house, you know, it's a great place. Which I place. love that, by the way. Yeah, you know, yeah, come totally, stay, but I want totally, you to have your privacy totally. because we don't have anything to hide. Totally. Yeah. And I think I think more, <clears throat> we would serve the church better if most of us had a little bit more open door policy because that's where these things that you can't super pin, pin down and measure get learned. You know, like I'm just, I was there and I just, I see how they parent, discipline, love. I see how their marriage is. I see how they love each other and talk to each other. Mm -hmm. Or you see the opposite, right? Like they might be amazing and he might, he might have all the right answers and have great theology. And then you're in their house. You're like, dude, you're totally like you're rude to her every day. Like, yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> you're able to live right. almost this double life, you know? And mm -hmm. so when you're really in someone's home, you get to see, are they the real deal or not? And I think that um, also is just, yeah, really beneficial. What's also helpful is to ask the kids. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. because like several years ago, um, we were doing an interview for um, disabilities and yeah. and sibling issues. And I said, don't talk to me. Talk to my kids about mm. it. So I had them. And yeah. I said, I'm not going to tell you what to say. You can say whatever you want to say. You can yeah. say your mom is just uh, has no clue about these <laughs> things. You know, whatever it is. Totally. Because I'm not going to tell. I mean, I'm blind to some of the things yeah. that I mess up. And so by them talking... Which is a good challenge, so yeah. kids, speak you up probably because... got a different perspective or learned they did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, how really can the, how can the church promote not promote but but really reinforce that? Because mentoring, I know in in our family and then yeah. specifically for my my, my folks, mm -hmm. changed their entire lives. Yeah. So how can that 
Well, I think it is, it does need to be reinforced because I feel like It's like we're almost losing it a little. This, I don't know, era, we're losing it where I feel like the older mentors feel like they have nothing to offer or nobody wants them to speak into their lives and the younger ones are like, no one, there's no older people that I can go to or no older people that want to pursue me. So it's like there's this like, like two couples that are, or like two individuals that are interested in each other, but, but no, that yeah, yeah, point. Yeah. yeah. And so I think um, to just encourage people, like, hey, when you're, if you're younger, find a couple or find somebody that you look up to, and just ask them. Just be yeah. like, hey, I'd love to meet with you. Can you mentor me? Can you show mm-hmm. me how to do this? Like, and I think they would feel so honored. And then the older generation to say, there's, I don't know, what would you say? There's value there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They've and I think, been through stuff. Totally. Yeah. And I think, and that's it's it's an. It's you always no, have something to offer. It's not even just like something you should do. It's like a non-negotiable. Like, how dumb is it to not ask someone? <laughs> how do you really feel? Yeah. No, seriously. <laughs> I mean, how how ridiculous is it to not ask someone who's stepped on 40 years of landmines to tell you where the landmines are? Like, you're right. Like, that's just ludicrous for you to not do that. Um, and so it's, it's just so helpful and needed. And I think it's obviously the model of the scripture, too. Paul and Timothy, Timothy with his disciples, right, right. Jesus with his disciples. Like, there is this m- relational passing down that happens um, to pass on truth with experience. And so, yeah, and it looks <clears throat> it looks different for everyone. I think, yeah. you know. Ours live ours 5, live in Kentucky, miles away. And yeah. we've, like, never lived in Kentucky, but. See, there is some great things about this. Yeah. Just yeah, saying. Exactly. <laughs> but we travel enough where we see them a couple times a year, and then I rhythmically talk to the dad every two weeks on the phone. And, you know, okay. we, and so, like, there's different ways to do it. Or there's, so I'm a little bit more, you know, rhythmic with it. But, um, and then we see them. But then there's also people where I know, like, you know, I was just here with talking to someone about this the other day, and he was like, he's like, well, I can't commit. He's the older guy in the situation. He's like, well, I can't commit to that. I don't have time mm-hmm. for that. And he goes, but I, but I am mentoring. And it actually happened because the the, the younger guy instigated it, where the younger guy rec- recognized the busyness of the older guy, mm. and just said, um, hey, Dude. he was like, he, well, he yeah. said, like, I want to bring you value in your work. Like, can I be your assistant? Where do you need help in your business? All these things. It had nothing to do with mentoring. He just wanted to help him at his work, and he just said, hey, let me clean up the shop, or let me do this, or let me do book huh. your flights as your assistant, whatever. He said, whatever you need help, let me do it. And then all of a sudden, they're together all day, every day. And so it's like, that was kind of the more, you know, organic way. And he's like, there's all these different ways of just like, you can either offer a mentor value and just step into their life and say, how can we, how can I just serve you? And all of a sudden, you'll be with him, and then that just happens. Mm-hmm. Or it can be like a, hey, can we meet? Or, or hey, can I come over for dinner? Yeah, come over for dinner. Let me make you dinner. Yeah, all there's these. just a bunch of different ways to enter into it, but you should be entering and into it. And I think, it. too, as I'm thinking about it, I think our generation, we are having that struggle of intimacy. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, I've always loved mentorship. I've always wanted it. Mm-hmm. But even so, I still get so nervous. I'm like, oh, she's going to know everything about me. Yeah. I have to be vulnerable. And I remember, like, in... After college, when I'd meet my my mentor, I wouldn't really share the nitty gritty stuff to like the last five minutes. I'm like, oh yeah, also <laughs> yeah, just awesome small talk. Also, I haven't talked to Jeff totally. in two days. Yeah. Totally. Oh, but we'll yeah. get to go. Yeah. 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 So, um, but they're like, oh, and I gotta go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Gotta go. So just an encouragement, like it's so worth it. And yeah. even if you're so nervous, like just do it. Yeah. Well, there's a reason that you're nervous. Yeah. So yeah. then you need to walk towards that. Yeah, it's like that vulnerability, that fear of vulnerability. But right. if you really step into that after a couple times, then it's just you're on a great playing field. You guys know each other yeah. and know everything about each other, and then you can just step into like, okay, now help. Now where do we go? What mm-hmm. do we do? Yeah. Now I just heard the podcast where a friend, you guys have a friend who has yeah. a child with autism. How has that affected your friendship with them? Yeah, so Seth and Melanie do our podcast. We they're they're, they're fabulous. They're awesome. They, we love yeah, them, I, and they have a crazy story. You know, being family and marriage 
you know, practiced, licensed people, counselors, but then, you know, having to walk through their own story of a really, really hard marriage, domestic mm -hmm. violence, all these different things. And then, f uh, you know, 12 years in, I think, found, find rede found redemption. Wow. So they live in Seattle, we live in Hawaii, so we don't have a ton of um, time with them, but we just have known them from kind of mutual friends and then met them um, when we were back in there in the same church and stuff. But yeah, they're awesome. And I think, um, yeah, we have not. I don't just think of them, but then we have another friend in Nashville who has um, a child with Down syndrome, mm -hmm. and just some other. We have some friends that I think just so beautifully and faithfully mm. walk through um, the tender love of Jesus mm. um, and grace, and just representing Him so well and being that aroma of Christ. And you have such a beautiful opportunity to do that through children, but also children maybe with some type of disability mm. or. Um, more hardship because it is, it's hard and exhausting and you see it in them and you see it, um, but they pour themselves out and they sacrifice and they love and so, yeah, it's beautiful. Which is exactly what you just were talking about. Mm -hmm. It's seeing their behavior and going, yeah. oh my gosh. That okay, profoundly I impacts me. Game. Totally, yeah. Big it, time. It profoundly impacts us to see marriages like that and, and uh, with uh, more difficult situations and stuff like that and them still so be so faithful, so loving and so mm -hmm. kind and yeah. Because mm -hmm. sometimes you don't really want to be very nice. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not you guys, but I mean. <laughs> well, me for sure. I don't know. <laughs> now, you talk a lot uh, about um, prayer mm -hmm. and about waiting and about the benefit of that because it can feel so non-beneficial. Mm -hmm. A lot of times we're like, okay, Lord, so um, I trust you. Yeah. And so my request is this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. And when that doesn't pan out, it's like, <laughs> what'd you do, Lord? Yeah. Well, how about what did I not do? Mm -hmm. I didn't wait. Yeah. Talk about that discipline and how it involves, how it affects your life and your marriage. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, well, in the book, I particularly talked about that with singleness and waiting for someone to pursue you or to have a boyfriend or marriage. Um, but I think no matter who you are or what season of life you are in, we're all waiting. Mm -hmm. We're always in a season of waiting, whether, whether it's a dream you have or a child that you're longing mm -hmm. for or a house, whatever it is, all these different things, we're always waiting. And or someone to, that you know to come to salvation or all these things. Um, and I think it's funny because in the scriptures, like in the Psalms especially, there's so many verses about waiting on the Lord. And especially in this culture, in this era, we don't like to wait. Like we get Amazon Prime and it's here in an hour in Seattle. <laughs> right, like, right. It's Literally, quick and it's we're not. Yeah, or you send a text to someone if they haven't texted you back in an hour, you're like, oh, they hate me. You <laughs> yeah, know, like, yeah, you're like. It's like, no, my phone was off. I was camping. Or, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was actually spending quality time with my yeah, kids. I was actually right. with other humans. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so I feel like waiting is this um, yeah. anomaly. Is that the right word? Yeah, it's just hard. And yeah, it's, it's something that we're even losing more and more. Yeah, sure. and um, the Lord talks a lot about it. And I think mm -hmm. waiting really is an opportunity to trust the Lord yeah. and to know that when you are waiting and you are praying, one, it's a call to prayer, like to talk with the Lord. And a lot of times we may not see um, the prayer answered right away and that's yeah. okay. And that's, it's like the Lord saying, I know, but I just want to be with you. Like, right. I just want you to keep coming to me, keep talking. Let's keep working this out. Right. I just love being with you as my child. And so it's an opportunity to do that. And then also opportunity to trust the Lord. Like, here's all these promises laid out for you in Scripture. When you don't get what you want at the time that you want it, do you really believe that the Lord is good? Do you really yeah. believe that He is for you? Do you really believe He hears you, that He knows what's best? All yeah. these things that He promises, it's like you know it in the Scripture, but then when you're actually waiting, it's like, okay, God, this is the, this is the groundwork I'm yeah. doing. 
do I really believe you? And um, it can be really, really, really hard where sometimes you are just on your knees in your room for hours every week asking the Lord, but then to know that at the end of the day, even if you never get what you want, you get Jesus and you get to know him so much better mm-hmm. and it's such more real life, whatever it is, whether it's loneliness or all these things. So um, the beauty of that, I think, that's the, where the treasure is and that's where the food yeah, is. Yeah, and waiting also allows stuff to bubble up in us. Mm-hmm. So totally. when we're yes. not, um, when he doesn't, you know, answer in the next 10 seconds, yeah. it's like, why am I so impatient? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It kind of creates that, yeah. And, and we run from that sometimes because yeah. he's like, I'm not answering because you have this character issue that's obviously <laughs> blaring. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I'm dealing with that. Yeah. And and I want to I want you to come to me with it and let's figure out how we can do this. But yeah. but we get so distracted in this world. Yeah. And you guys have you guys have a practice which I think is fabulous and it is no electronics the Sabbath you, totally. you have okay talk to, talk about that because yeah, that's the best video sound, I saw yeah it sounds like we're Amish you know especially being under 30 um, <laughs> no but it was so cool yeah I you think, had so much fun with it totally and I think for us that was specifically again sparked on by some mentors of ours who um, just have live within really beautiful family rhythms where they do these things during the week they do a Sabbath mm-hmm. um, you know Which, can we can I interrupt you for yeah. a sec I think in our culture we don't like to have rhythms. We think we can just press on and do whatever we need to do and go, 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 go. But God is a God of rhythm, and he's created the universe with rhythms, you know, day and night, and then our bodies have natural rhythms. So when you create rhythms in your family and in your marriage, they're really life Well, we don't, yeah, that's in side note. We we don't realize how much God created the world with, like, an actual Mm -hmm. cadence and a rhythm Mm -hmm. that, like, that you have to submit to for flourishing, Mm -hmm. right? Like the day and the night is a huge one with you. Try to try to not submit to sleep, and you will you'll die. Like you know, like or you'll be really hard to be around. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> or think you'll about get these disorders. Yeah, right? exactly. I mean, think about like you know, an average person sleeps eight hours a day, and there's 24 hours in a day. On average, if you live if you live for 90 years, that means you completely slept for 30 years of your life. That's crazy. It shows you also how unneeded we are really in this world. Um, and it shows me how much I want to go to sleep. I know. Same. <laughs> but just like whether it's sleep or even like, but but in the West, we are you know in the day and the night, but then the weeks and the years and the the seasons, even with agriculture, like God created there to be rhythm, and you have yes. to submit to that, yeah. or else it, or else you're you can even take the agricultural metaphor, like or else you're gonna just tax the ground. Like exactly. if you just keep tilling the soil, you don't let it rest you don't let it lay follow you know and all these different things and I think that is just like our souls and just like our spirits and we in the West are very we're one of the first societies that we don't realize it but we're trying to be very godlike in the mm-hmm. sense of like um, we don't need to submit to rhythm you know like we can actually totally usurp and completely ignore the natural rhythms of the universe even small stuff like take take um I mean it's a be- huge blessing but take like light like literal artificial light mm-hmm. that was something that was an innovation that was great, but at the end of the day is also like we don't we 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 don't go There's to bed a when it gets to dark. Turn them off exactly. Mm-hmm. Or like when we, we like when we basically I remember when we went to Uganda and how beautiful and amazing it was mm-hmm. that like you wake up at five a.m. because the sun just came up and you go to bed at six p.m. because the sun just went down. Yeah. Like you can't, you can't see anything. Do anything. You literally yeah. can't see anything. Yeah. Once it, like you know, and there's stuff like that of like just we're able to like usurp it in the West because of innovation and technology and kind of these things mm-hmm. that are awesome as image bearers that we've done. But then all that to say, um, so then we started going back to the scripture and say, man, what are some of these things that God kind of really wanted to put on the the DNA of humans and societies and culture? Just mainly, what rhythm does 
is we kind of talk about these two things. There's rhythm and vision, I think, for a family. Every fam, family and marriage has to have a really healthy vision and then a really healthy rhythm. Mm -hmm. And the vision is like, what are you called to? What's your mission for your... Think about how well businesses do that, which I talk about in yeah, the book yeah. too. Like businesses have mission statements. Right. They got vision statements. They have quarterly meetings. They have end of the year parties. They have they celebrate the employee of their week. They do all like... You do these mm -hmm. things that like we're going somewhere and you got to have structure, you got to have vision, you got to yeah. have purpose. Stephen Covey was great about talking totally. about that. Totally, and you got to have that, and a lot of families don't. We just, I don't know what we're doing. It just we, we react. We react to our whole life rather than be proactive. Mm -hmm. But then what rhythm is, is it's the tool to serve the vision. So once mm -hmm. you come up with the vision of like what God wants to do for your family and in your marriage and what purpose he has for you, then rhythms are the way so you don't burn out on that. It's mm -hmm. like how can we make it so this is very sustainable. And so Sabbath is one of those things we do, long story short, where um, it's not the only thing we do, but it's one of those things we do where we weekly believe that God set up the, the world to work in weeks. And so it's, you know, the six days of work and then we, we rest and we, we stop and we cease, which is what, you know, the word Shabbat in Hebrew literally means. It means yeah, to I love cease that. and stop. <laughs> totally, Were you yeah. singing it on there? Yeah. And, so, and, and it's fun because... <laughs> and you make it fun. It's not like, oh my yeah. gosh, here we go again. Yeah, we this, have is the, silent. yeah right. this is the biggest... It's like a party at the end of every yeah, week. This is the, yeah, that's the biggest misconception mm -hmm. when you start talking about these things that we uh, get really frustrated by when with especially with our peers that they don't get is like it's not they see it as this religious activity to just be bored and stop and see and it's like scripturally especially you know if you even like us having spent time in Jerusalem uh, you know even with um, you know Jewish people today it literally is a party and so, it and, totally is, and, so, and the father speaks oh, it's amazing. into every member yeah, of the family. This, yeah, there's mm -hmm. this patriarch who kind of yes. presides over this. It reminds me of almost like a mini wedding. It's like this father stands up and yes. has this speech, and it presides over this this ceremony, and then you throw a party, and that's or or another way to put it is hol holiday, which is literally where we get the that word comes from, holy days, which is the feasts and the Shabbat mm -hmm. and all these things. So they're all connected, and so for us, yeah, we cease, we stop, and the best way we it started giving us life when we said, what can we do once a week? that literally feels like we're throwing a party for our family. Or that gives us life. Yeah. Because it's like a soul rest. Yeah. It's not like your day off where you run all these errands. That's actually anti-Sabbath. Like yes. the, when you get to the... And yeah, I, I, yeah. when, when I read that, I was like, why did you have to say that? <laughs> when you actually, because that's when I do all my errands. Yeah, yeah. When you actually get to the definition of the word, that is actually anti-Sabbath. It's like, you know, for me, errand, like all that, that's bit like the busybodying of like, I'm going to go, because I do, I do have that day and it stinks. Mm -hmm. I got to go to the post office. <laughs> yeah. I got to go do the bill. I got to go this. All I gotta, the laundry. Yeah. All the grocery shopping. So rest. Mm -hmm. What does that yes. look like for you guys? Yeah. I think it's what you talk about, filling and soul rest. And yeah, you know? so I think it's different for every family. Mm -hmm. And sometimes well, maybe you can part. only do four hours on Saturday morning wherever your family is. Mm -hmm. But for us, we do Sunday dinner time all the way till Monday, Monday dinner time. Dinner time. Okay. So I try to get all the shopping, all the laundry done before dinner. And then we have a big dinner. And sometimes it could be takeout or it could be soup or it could be Jeff mm -hmm. makes something. But we have a special dinner. Our kids light candles. We sing a song. So yeah. Jeff gives a blessing. Yeah, I think I think interjecting a ritual aspect to yeah. it is really healthy too. Mm -hmm. Of like doing something that's similar to mark the day. And there's something to be said about. And I'm sorry, I'm interrupting, but no. uh, but to be said about just our physiological makeup exactly. again. Yeah, that touches into that. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So Jeff will be like. Kinsley, I, I saw you do this this week. I'm so proud of you. Or I've seen you grow in this area. Yeah, I usually pick one thing for each kid that I saw like in that week. Yeah. yeah. And then we pray, we eat, we play. So maybe we'll go walk on the beach or we'll do Legos or something. Or you'll go to that lanai and you'll try to yes. get on that swing where yeah. other people are. That's right. That's right. But it's, yeah, it's like what's just the most fun, restful, fun filling thing. day? And it'll change with your family and what time you can do it. But then we put the bed, the kids' bed early. And then the next day we do something life-giving. So for yeah, us, we spend, we've realized... we kind of have a date night that night because yeah. our phones are off and we stuff like that. We turn off our yeah. phones, so it's just No us. electronics, 24 hours. 
Well, I have my phone now. But see, and this is a good point. So, yeah. Because she's like a grandma on social media where she never, it doesn't matter to her. So it's like what, <laughs> It's we don't get really religious about it. Like for, for me, it's my job. I'm on emails, I'm on Twitter, I'm on right, social media. Right. So I need that day of technological disconnect mm -hmm. uh -huh. to feel filled. Uh -huh. When for her, she doesn't. And so, but yeah, we don't, you know, like my iPad's off, my, my iPhone's off. And you can just tell it's a totally different day in the home mm -hmm. um, because I'm not on all and that you're stuff. Totally present. Mm -hmm. Well, it's counting for its deep work. But. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh -huh. Which I love that book. Or the by power the way. of habit, yeah. also with yeah. Duhigg. He's great. <laughs> I love Cal Newport, by the way. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. yeah, and so it's like we just we usually read, hang out, connect, yeah. have a date night. Go yeah. to bed early, and then the next day, we realize for us what gives us the most life is going outside. Yeah. Okay. So maybe we'll go to the park with the kids. We'll go swimming. We'll go. Yeah. Hiking, whatever it is, or just out to breakfast, yeah. and then we take naps. Yeah. And, and that's so, it. But it's like so it's just life a day. It's a day marker every yeah. week that just stops us, resets us. And I don't talk about it in this book, but I talk about it and It's Not What You Think, where the the beautiful thing that and that helped us to is Sabbath is the beginning of the week, not the end of the week. Because right. sometimes you'll work for the weekend. Right, yeah. Like, oh, I'm so, and then I'm so tired, and then, okay, you know? When in reality, then, if you can, oh, I have to go to work yeah, on Monday. If you can reset I hate my or, life. Yeah, if you can reset, <laughs> if you can reset or reframe your mind to think that no, this is actually the opportunity to fill the tank to go forward. This is the right. first day of the week. Yeah, right. and and I use the analogy, and it's not what you think of, or not the analogy, the scripture of, in Genesis, Adam. Like it's think about so there's two perspectives in Genesis. There's the perspective of God and the perspective of Adam. From God's perspective, the Sabbath was the last day. He worked and he worked and he worked and then he rested. And there was this beautiful Sabbath um, on the day of rest. But from Adam's perspective, the day of rest was the first day, right? Like he opened, like he was created on the last day of work. So the minute Adam opened his eyes, it's day seven and it's the day of rest. That's the first day Can he you entered into. Imagine what that was like. Yeah, it's just yeah. like awesome. But to, and, and imagine how, from his perspective, he had no context to even know that there was probably six days behind him. Like it was just the first day was a day of rest um, and God had done all the stuff that was necessary and I think that when you realize that um, it's really life-giving too because then you can enter into rest and then work properly and healthily from there and so have you yeah. ever not wanted to do that um yes. okay. for, yeah me no her <laughs> yes yeah no she resisted for a couple years uh -huh. and, I never yeah ever right. did that. Uh -huh. And then I feel like in college it was impossible. I was like, I have homework every day. Right. And then I started reading all these like dead Jewish writers and I was like, I think, we, we should, like I think there's something here. Yeah. Yeah. Old yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was like, I, but I had just had a baby and I was like, I don't, that doesn't sound fun to me. I don't understand how as a young mom, the baby's I can have a day yeah. of like, I'm gonna be doing the exact same thing I do every day. I'm right. gonna change diapers, I'm gonna be cooking, yeah. I'm gonna do all this stuff. And so Jeff would sit there <laughs> Bless his heart and just read. <laughs> it's okay. Because I, I was going to ask you about like, this because I know where you're going. Yeah, I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> I, that was my best day ever. His best day is to just read a book, which I love. And I yeah. love reading too. But he would just read and I would still be doing everything. Right. I'm like, yeah. this is, I do not. I like this, yeah. and so it and it of was course really you liked hard. It, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so for two years, I really fought against it, and mm -hmm. we traveled so much, so it was never consistent either. It wasn't like the same day every week, and. Um, and then after we had our son, when we started to implement it again, I was like, why? This is amazing. And like every week I would crave it because I just needed that time to just like to just rest, yeah. to have it be different. And I think it ended up where we learned how to do it together. Yeah. What fills us both up? What fills the family up? Yeah. So now it's, yeah. I try to get done all my stuff before mm -hmm. Sabbath. And then also Jeff, a lot of times will... I try to make take more of the day meals. responsibilities. I'll try to make the meal that day. I'll try to make breakfast. I'll try to, yeah, I'll try to do we'll things go a lot. Out. Yeah, because I'm like, to me, that's not. Sometimes it's fun, but a yeah. lot of times it feels like work. To, yeah, I'll try to take care of the kids even a little bit more that day or whatever. Just something that feels like yeah. it gives her the day. Or as long yeah. as we're connecting, mm -hmm. where it's not just like we're doing our individual stuff all day, but at yeah. one point we're all together doing something. Yeah. 
like, this is the best. Like, totally. I just feel so filled up. Our right. kids love it. Every time they're like, Shabbat, they're yeah. so excited. They were adorable. Yeah, yeah. you guys have yeah. to watch the video on the Sabbath. <laughs> it was so good. I think that's a point, too, of like when you make something. And here, here's a point even from a parenting standpoint that I like to say is like, I feel like I'm ve we're very intentional in making it like a holiday every week because mm -hmm. I want, you know, God forbid our kids ever have a huge wayward season where they just say no to the Lord and want to walk away from him and maybe us. But I, if they do, I want their f Mondays to be the worst days ever and be kind of depressed about it because it was so awesome when they were walking in there. You know what I mean? Like I, like I want, I don't want it to be like, oh man, I'm so glad I'm away from that rigid thing, mm -hmm. and more like, oh man, I, I, I'm lonely now and I don't get to celebrate that blessed. You know, like right. I want it to be so fun that they actually miss it, even if they have that wayward, or yeah. and not even that necessarily that, but just all the family traditions, all the things, all the DNA. You want to interject life into it. So if they do walk away from it, they almost have this tug of. That's where joy really was, you know, not like rigidity and all these different things. And I think talking about the Sabbath, that's a good microcosm of all of family and all of marriage of like, it takes work to learn yourself. Yeah, and it takes a lot of grace because it takes a while to figure out what do we the Bethkeys love doing. And I think every family has to ask that. What are traditions we want to do? What are rhythms we want to do? What do we want to put into this? And then mainly with that aspect of kind of holiday and fun and something that they look back on with fond memories like a Christmas, you know, or something like that. And and I even think of Christmas, you know, like we're that's another tradition we learn of like, I think, you know, two years ago or whatever, I remember, I remember, Kinsley didn't get that many gifts, but then we were, she was still very overwhelmed opening them, you know, because she's like a one-year-old and it's like four gifts from the grandparents and all these things. And it's just, it's overwhelming. They want to open the next one. They don't appreciate this one. Mm -hmm. So then we said, okay, that's, we're done with that. Next year, we're going to do like a seven day opening scale, you know, yeah. or one day, you know, like, very cool. yeah, it's like where, so then it slows it down. Because you and still then, get all the presents from the grandparents yeah. and aunts, uncles. But totally. that's very, but it's, that's a great idea. So but it's just fun. little stuff like that where you have to like observe and then like, um, change, observe and change and adapt. And, and when you do that, totally. Change, but when you do that in your marriage and your family, I think it really gives life. Mm -hmm. Now, how do you guys, because one of the most essential parts of marriage is honoring each other's needs. Mm. But before you can honor them, you have to have communicated <clears throat> them because believe it or not, none of us are mind readers. <laughs> and so I think I've heard that quote before. <laughs> I probably say that once a week. <laughs> so like what I've said to my kids or my husband is, I can't know unless you tell me. Mm. So, and a lot of times we don't know. Um, you know, totally. a therapist told me once, Colleen, we all know what you don't want. Yeah. <laughs> what do you want? I'm like, oh, that's a totally different question. That's awesome. Yeah. So how do you come up with that? I mean, how have you yeah. each communicated, these yeah. are my needs? Well, you talk about that because I don't have a problem communicating my needs at all. You're kidding. <laughs> I would have never thought. I know, so, so I don't, but that is something we've had to walk through because yeah. And we, I think we've actually gotten to a really good place with it, but you talk about that, because I feel like, uh, yeah, it's like I always will say that, I'm like, uh, yeah, just you talk about it, you talk about it. <laughs> I think it is really, okay, for me it's been hard because I just thought like, I think subconsciously I thought, he should know me, he should know me. A lot, we like, do that a lot. Know yeah. what or I that if I want. don't, it's a sign of me not Caring. You're dismissing her. Exactly. Yeah. Remember, it was yeah. thoughtful forever. Thoughtful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and we had this long I conversation. He's like, fly on that he's like oh. I'm just so thoughtful. Aren't yeah, I? So, yeah. um, I think it takes time. And I think it, not just time, but like. You you had to like learn yourself. I had to learn my, I'm, yeah. learn, I'm still yeah. learning crucial. myself. Yeah. That's crucial. Yeah. And I'm still yeah. learning it. But being able to learn like. I can, one, I can tell him what I want. Mm -hmm. That's okay. You don't have to feel bad or guilty. He or, loves you. Yeah. yeah. I want to hear it. Like, especially as a young mom, any young moms out there, like, say, 
I need a break Which that once was the, a week. Yeah, like that was the biggest one because she we would get to the point where she'd be crying burned or burned out and just be like, I need a break. And when just right. like, oh, you gotta you gotta tell me that like three days before. You know, you gotta right. tell me before the crying. Not when I'm moment. sitting here with my great old book that exactly. I'm like investing. Exactly. It's like you gotta yeah, it's like you gotta tell me because that I before think, it gets to the breakdown. I moment. think most husbands want to I had no idea. give you exactly what you want <laughs> and to help you and to serve you. There's joy in generosity. There's so much he wants to do whatever right. serves me. But we're also but idiots if he doesn't and I was know. <laughs> <laughs> but my problem as a young mom was no, I'm just le- I just felt so guilty if I needed a break. I'm loving the kids. I feel guilty if I need a break. And then I would go, go, go until I just broke down. And I'm like, oh, now I'm realizing once a week I just need to have a break. So now it's at the beginning of the week. Hey, when is the time this week where I can get away and just have mm-hmm. me time? So I think learning to do that. But even a couple weeks ago we were in our small group watching a video about how men and women think and what they want. And it was like enlightening because all of a sudden we were like, oh, I didn't realize that how yeah. that's how you worked. I didn't realize that's how yeah. I worked because, for instance, um, all women want to know that they're lovable. Most women, yeah. Most women yeah. that they are lovable, and so um, his needs, her needs is a great book too by Willard F. Yeah, yeah. Yes. fantastic book. On yeah. Yes, and so I'll try to get all this right. But um, we would get in some conflicts sometimes where I would feel just like. He doesn't love me. Like, I would just think that. Right in this like, moment. in this yeah, moment, yeah. he doesn't want mm-hmm. me. He's not thinking of me. Our minds are not our best friends a lot no, of times. No, not at all. But and, then, as a guy, and Jeff would I have be a like, more like longer picture of like, oh, I've been showing you that for like five years. Like, even if you don't yeah, feel that in this like, moment, take from that like, emotional bank we I always say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's like, your love tank should be so full that. I shouldn't have to do that. Like, yeah. you should be able to bank on what I've yeah. done. Yeah, this. I always use this dumb analogy. Right, no, 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 it's like, the deposits. Yeah, 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 I, was saying, I, was deposits. Just, I was like, if you don't feel right now, withdraw from the bank <laughs> that I have deposited in over five years. The savings account's empty. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> That's what she'd say. But she was saying how women, most women, we need it every day. Like every moment. So mo- it's just moments, how we're yeah. wired. Every day we wake up, we need to be reminded, I'm lovable. Like, mm-hmm. he wants me. And so when we learned that, it was like this light bulb moment. And because I didn't even know that about myself, I just knew I'm feeling this about every time, about five o'clock every day. I'm <laughs> feeling if I haven't been filled up in that way. And now I finally realize, oh, this is just how I'm wired. Totally. This is how I work. And same with him, with respect and just wanting to be thanked for things or not be um, the five level language. Second guess a ton. So I think. Um, anyway, all that to say... You need to know yourself. You need to know yourself and then each other and be able to communicate that, but we're still learning that five yeah. years in. Like, we're still right. getting... And you also change as humans, so, like, her needs will her needs change. My mm-hmm. needs change. And I love that you, Mark, that you noted that, that we're not the same as we were, yeah. like, yesterday. Yeah. That's, like, yeah. my favorite quote from that. I think it was, like, a seminary president where he said something like... Uh, you know, I've been married seven times all to the same woman. Because it's just like, it's like it's a different person, you know, yeah. and seeing like every 10 years or five years or whatever it but, was. But, but as, a, as, a, as families and then as a church, we need to remember yeah. transformation is a process. And it's so actually a blessing. So, yeah. It is. We yeah. want you to transform, not Thankfully, stay the same. I'm not who I was 10 years exactly. ago and five exactly. years ago and yeah. last week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, now yeah. as, I mean, we could talk all day long, but... <laughs> As we close, we're on chapter one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know, and I, there's no, so no, many no, more things. But you guys will just have to come back. Yes. Or I'll go to Hawaii, and then we can do it yeah. together. Deal. Yeah. The, Deal. Time, the team would want to do that. Deal. Um, <laughs> just talk to the audience about about what it is to be united in marriage, mm. and give them hope because there's mm. some watching who 
are in a domestically abusive relationship mm -hmm. or who have been betrayed by a mentor mm. and they don't want to trust. Mm -hmm. um, just speak life into where they are. That's the first I mean, time I think you've been with that word. <laughs> no, I, just, I, I, was, I was going to see if she was going to go first. Um, I think I, I alluded to it in the beginning, but I, one encouragement I always like to give people is uh, take advantage of the power of covenant marriage. Mm. So many times we make marriages out to be contract marriages, right? Where it's the, you know, the difference between a covenant and a contract is those are the only two human relationships in all of life. Contract relationships mm. are yeah, about the behavior, not the promise. So it's like the behavior is stronger than the promise, right? Like if the behavior is bad enough, then the promise is broken. And, and then covenant is the exact opposite where the promise is stronger than the behavior. Now, of course, there's extenuating circumstances and of course there's exceptions. But when you can understand that the, the power of marriage is that God made it a covenant, not a contract. Mm -hmm. So you can be fully naked in that metaphorical sense of um, vulnerability. And then what happens is if you can walk that path with Jesus first, um, and recognize that he sees all that you are. He sees all your shortcomings and failures. And he says, I still want you. I'm not going anywhere. And the promise is stronger mm -hmm. Then you personally can take the mask off. You mm -hmm. personally can say, oh, okay, then this is who I am. I'm not ashamed to say it. I can be vulnerable. I can be honest. Um, and then that lets you live in that power more. And then you just feel so free and you feel so known. Because when, mm -hmm. because the worst thing is to, you know, I think it was Keller again who said like, to be fully known but fully, but not fully loved is rejection. Mm. And to be fully loved, but not fully known, you can always buy the lie of just like, oh, well, they don't know the true me. Right. So it's like, you can't, you gotta have fully known and fully loved for that joy to happen. And so um, you can know that God created marriage to be like that. And it's a long journey, but spouses on that journey, um, once you've had it and found it, you go, oh yes, this is what he created to be. But then specifically to people who maybe are in a situation who say, yeah, but my husband or my wife, you know, um, has betrayed me or hurt me or something like that. I think there's a million different circumstances. So if it's very serious, get help, find professional help, find counseling, um, find resources specifically tailored to the environment you're going through. And the main thing is you're not alone. I think a lot of times any, especially in seasons of hard, hard things of marriage, mm. um, you, you kind of feel this crawl into the whole mentality of just like, I can't tell people I can't be honest. I well, can't share. Well, because a lot of times they're rejected in the church. Totally, yeah. totally, and that's hard. Is that that I think it goes back to that covenant thing again. Of <clears throat> sadly, humans will fail us, mm -hmm. and they will reject us, and they will let the behavior be stronger than the promise. You don't know anything about that with all the criticism you've had. Yeah, seriously, right? Yeah, Gosh. just a few. I mean, thankfully, it's not as heavy as it used to be. But yeah, five years ago was a fun year. Um, oh, God. But I think, um, but the thing you can rest on, <clears throat> even when humans reject you or are not honoring you is that Jesus never does and that he gives you that covenant of, hey, I'm with you, I'm beside you, I'm for you, you're known, you're seen, and you're not alone. And I think that um, is at least the first step and that is the path of freedom, getting your joy back, getting your humanness back. Because like I alluded to again earlier with the words, <clears throat> one of the hardest things in a more abusive or, or, or hard marriage is um, you start to actually buy that, the the lie that you're not good enough right. and that you are damaged and that there's something wrong with you and you do any research on those situations and domestic violence or abuse relationships and you realize that you, they're almost, you almost get in this like, you, you start going crazy of thinking that it's your fault. Well, because you're told it's your fault. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And this, so this, this cycle of shame and stuff and, and of self-talk of it's your fault needs to be broken. And I think it can only be broken by the voice of Jesus, that Jesus's voice is more powerful than your spouse's voice if that's in an unhealthy situation. Mm -hmm. 
and you can rest in that and sit in that. But mm -hmm. yeah, that's the first, that's what I think of, and I hopefully that's an encouragement to whoever's watching. Unless you have anything. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I love it. But no, seriously, thank you so much for yeah, having us. This was an absolute blast. You. And yeah, we need to come back because we could talk about this stuff and with you for days oh and gosh. hours and Oh my gosh, yeah, write another book and come back. Yeah. Seriously, deal, deal. <laughs> well, okay, so the book right here, and I like your two little people on here. I know, it looks like Thanks. us, right? That I was know. the point. And the podcast is also so good. I'm yes. a big podcaster. Yes, Um, Love that last. Get the book, whatever age you are, because you do breathe energy and life mm. into, into someone's heart, mm. which is so crucial for... Um, wanting to become motivated mm. and and even for marriages who've been around for 40 years yeah it's it's helpful to hear mm. yeah well that means a lot because we want we want to hear we want to hear from the 40 year old marriages but yeah. i do think yeah that is i think yeah that is cool to hear and then also on top of that um i think it can be a good we we've seen it be a good resource already for maybe people who've been married 40 years but have kids they are have adult kids they're sure. maybe having a tough time relating to or just wanting to understand their kids adult relationship mm -hmm. and so that's been a fun resource too of kind of bridging the gap between parent and adult kid now um, on, but yeah on your podcast there's a call-in so yep. I, I, you do a lot of I, and i love it because you're yeah. like love you guys thank yeah, you it's awesome. so how can they get a hold of you so yeah jeffandalissa.com is our main website or lovesatlast.co is kind of the book resource stuff Dot co i know not com, not com. <laughs> but if you, go to, if you go to either of those all our stuff's on there social media podcast videos books all that stuff and yeah, we do a fun thing on the podcast where people can call us, leave a voicemail, and then we'll play the voicemail and, cool. and answer it. Yeah, so. that's fun. We love it. And we love anyone who reads our stuff, watches our stuff. It's a blessing. We don't take it for granted, and it's really fun that we get mm -hmm. to do this. So, Well, there you have it, the Beth Keys. Thank you guys so much for Thank being you. here. Thank it was a blast. You. Certainly enjoy it. And as always with Reframing Ministries, please contact Insight for a Living if you are mm. stuck or feeling um, frustrated or mm. have a question. Whatever it is that you're going through, we are here to help you. And... Pulling these guys in to also be a voice into your life is great. So Thank have you. a great day. Thank you so much, you guys. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today on the Reframing Ministries podcast. For more information and resources, visit insight.org slash special needs.